Welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Alex Ashkin. And I am Rachel Jones. And I'm Frankie Preslav. And thank you for joining us for a new edition of Indiana's only queer public affair radio show. We are um, on wfhb.org. So if you can't listen live, you can hear this and other episodes online via WFHB's website. Each and every week, we produce a show by and for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and ally communities. Our listeners can always count on us to cover the most pressing issues, interesting people, and latest events reflecting the TLGBQ plus life in Indiana, the U.S., and across the world. Our featured stories focus around topics both at home and abroad. We will be visiting tonight um, by Dana with the Bloomington Police Department. Dana's um, the LGBT liaison for the Bloomington Police Department. Tonight we will be looking at the Trump administration's edict instructing the Center for Disease Control, CDC, to remove the usage of seven specific terms from from their 2019 fiscal year budget draft. Additionally, we will discuss some interesting headlines from our Midwest neighbor to the south, Kentucky. Controversy stirred as Judge W. Mitchell Nats was absent to a recent disciplinary hearing after objecting to handle adoption cases involving gay parents. Let's direct our attention to the recent decision by the Trump administration to remove the usage of seven terms from the CDC's upcoming budget draft. So this was first... Uh, broken by the Washington Post after a uh, briefing on last Friday uh, by a few members of both uh, the OMB and the Office for Financial Resources. What was first reported was that seven terms were suggested to be uh, removed from the specific language of the upcoming fiscal year budgetary draft for the Center of or Center for Disease Control. Those seven words are diversity, entitlement, evidence-based, fetus, science-based, transgender, and vulnerable. Stories were added over the weekend when Health and Human Services spokesperson Matt Lloyd responded to the initial charges that the uh, administration had banned, uh, air quotes included, these words. Uh, Spokesperson Matt Lloyd said, the assertion that Health and Human Services has banned words is a complete mischaracterization of the discussions regarding budget formulation process. Health and Human Services will continue to use the best scientific evidence available to improve the health of all Americans. Health and Human Services also strongly encourages the use of outcome and evidence-based data in program evaluations and budget decisions. 
So this is sort of an interesting thing because at the end of the day, we're kind of left with a little bit of a he said, she said. Not really. (laughs) Okay, so I think they're covering their tracks, but the Washington Post stated who was the contact person that contacted the CDC? Allison Kelly. Okay, so Allison Kelly, part of the administration, did... Maybe edict is too strong a word to say, but encourage them not to include these words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, so that happened. Um, where we go with it from there or where they go with it from there is, is another story. But the fact that the administration brought this down from on high to a national, international department... Um, is phenomenal. I, that I can't argue with that. I mean, it is you know. Sounds pr- like you're gonna try, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll do my best. Uh, but so I I can't help but sort of think that this is more than anything sort of a war of words. Um, In what way? <laughs> well, so the. In a lot of sense, uh, th- there's always a little bit of ebb and flow when we discuss policy and budgetary wording whenever there's a change in administration. Uh, there's actually a pretty good quote from the Union of Concerned Scientists that said that it is not uncommon for career staff at a government agency to self-censor in order to avoid being a political target. It is unclear whether the directive came from the Trump administration officials or from career staff self-censoring themselves to avoid falling into political traps. That's not true. It, it was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. an edict from the Trump administration. And if you read further... There has never been such a thing happen before. So if they self-regulate themselves, it's self-regulated, not an administration saying, you can't say the word transgender or evidence-based or diversity. Um, so why or, do you think what's you know, causing fetus. this? Why do you think they're, they're, they're doing this today? I think, and you know, I, I can't say it for all the words, but with, um, abortion rights and trying to reverse Woe v. Wade, um, I think changing the word fetus, what are you going to use instead? Baby. Right. Um, I think the word transgender, if you want to, which maybe is kinder, gentler sounding than to say transsexual. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a subversive way of changing how people think by changing the language that we use um, and and it could be powerful if every time somebody used the word baby instead of fetus what that meant to people I mean undoubtedly that is true creating some sort of massive cultural change will undoubtedly uh, change the landscape both of like where society is going and uh, sort of the current outlook of things as we're, you know, currently situated. All that being said, I feel like a lot of this is more so in an attempt to sort of 
direct policy um, in a sort of light, um, hands-off, air quotes included, way. Um, The big thing here is I don't think, in a sense, culturally, we're going to step back at all in terms of LGBTQ rights. At at the same time, Holy cow. this could have an impact in terms of what organizations receive funding in you know the foreseeable future. So it's an attack on LGBT rights, and and that's where I'm sort of struggle. And perhaps this is more so because I identify as an ally and. Less so, you know, as uh, a um, sort of an, a member who identifies immediately with the community. But to a certain degree, I feel like this does actually happen from time to time, from administration to administration. It's just each group has their own, you know, Do you department. have an example of that? And that's... I don't. And see, this is where I struggle. I don't think they've ever done this before, where they tell you what you can and cannot say. And see, that's the thing that's interesting, because I'm not sure if this will impact their findings. I'm not sure if this will impact... Well, if you're, like, doing research Mm -hmm. and you're looking to do a grant Mm -hmm. and you're targeting a specific... uh, you know, group, and mm-hmm. you can't use important words, or you use it, and that all of a sudden your grant is thrown out because. And, and this goes beyond the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, you guys, everybody should be angry about you can't use science based. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't use evidence based. I'm sorry, what do you want to use? <laughs> uh, I mean, it. The CDC could always work on faith-based initiatives. I think yeah, I think exactly. that's kind of what they're thinking about here. But um, so all that being said, and I completely agree in the sense that this is at Evil. least an affront to sort of what the mission of the CDC is. That you know, at the end of the day, they really aren't a political. Uh, branch of the government. They're a research group and, you know, part of Health and Human Services. They're here to deal with the big questions of epidemiology and all that fun stuff. Unless it's evidence-based or Unless science-based. it's evidence-based. Then not right. so much. But the thing that's interesting to me is that this actually really isn't the first time that the Trump administration has sort of done this stuff. Now, it isn't necessarily with regards to health and human services, but there has been, you know, the EPA was encouraged to remove any mentions of climate change from their mission mm-hmm. statement. Well, that would be their, science-based. I and, think and these their, go together. Um, <laughs> the, the State Department has now been asked to change the term sex education to sexual risk avoidance. And even other groups within the Health and Human Services Department have been asked to use other words such as replacing the term Affordable Care Act or ACA with Obamacare and replacing the term marketplaces with exchanges. Now, all this, for the most part, is coming from the Washington Post. Uh, 
take what you will. Um, I, I think they're a great source. And honestly, it's just sort of troubling at the end of the day to me because it's infuriating, honey. It's, it's more than troubling. I, they, they can't say what I am. Mm. And that, that's the biggest issue to me um, is why spend this much time, effort, and energy on something when we have so much else going on within the world that, that they need to pull these seven words out and, and focus in on that? I mean, who are they? We know who they're winking at and who they're high-fiving because of this. And, and so it's just like I think we can, you know, spin it and throw whatever. The, the, the facts are, you know, there, there's nothing positive or nice happening right now. This is to um, cause frictions and lots of problems. Yeah, you, it can't be spun any other way. Right. And I think it, it would call it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's censorship. And why? You know, when, when are they going to throw another gay? Gonna, you know, we won't going to eliminate gay, bisexual, lesbian. You know, what's, what's next? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, we, we need to scream, holler, and, 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 and ask lots of questions and get down to the bottom of this. Where did this come from and why? I mean, I think that's what we need. Well, that would make it makes you vulnerable to think that way and vulnerable you can't say that so right jesus yeah amen yeah uh, and I'll take the will i mean there, there's <laughs> so many broader implications here in a certain sense uh as we mentioned the state department has been asked to change sex education to sexual risk avoidance uh, this will have some impact on uh, the language and policy that goes into PEPFAR, which is the uh, president's plan for emergency AIDS relief. Uh, that is, was a plan that was announced on December 1st of this year as part of the World's Aid, World AIDS Day announcement. Uh, Jen Cates Vice President and Director of Global Health and HIV Policy at the Kaiser Family Foundation mentioned that that specific language change doesn't really specifically change how much money is getting spent on abstinence-only programs under PrepFAR, but it can shift priorities, especially overseas, about what groups and what programs do receive funding. So there is... It, like a real implication here. And that's sort of the thing that I want to get down to beyond just sort of the cultural damage that I might do, which is immediate and obvious. But, you know, will this impact, you know, charities, organizations within the LGBTQ community that are doing really significant and meaningful work within, you know, their regions and, you know, nationally and internationally? Because that, at the end of the day, seems like the biggest thing that's shooting people in the foot to a certain degree is we're going to punish, you know, organizations that are basically trying to do the right thing here because they do have, you know, they advocate for, you know, sex education or they, you know, protect transgender rights. That part to me is ridiculous, you know going beyond just saying, well, we don't like that language to these groups might not see the same funding because they use that language. And that, that to me is probably the most troubling. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, 
one of the biggest things we have is sort of our community and what we can do to sort of band together and support each other. And I know, you know, this troubled all of us when we first heard about it. I think we all heard about it basically Saturday morning, and it was a real shock. Well, I think the thing to do probably is to buy stock in companies that sell blood pressure medicine because it <laughs> certainly made mine go up. I think we have to talk about it for what it is. It, it, it's an attack on anything that is not evangelical. Right. Um, and we've got to remove church and state. I'm sorry, they're two separate things, and, and, and that's what this is. Um, maybe we shouldn't, they shouldn't be able to say anything is faith-based. Uh, well, it's interesting. I was um, reading the some Facebook, you know, um, conversations and got actually involved in one, believe it or not. And, um, believe it. <laughs> and they were, um, you know, and that was the topic and it was, you know, very, very religious folks on this um, particular feed. And it, it basically gave permission for them to start pretty much attacking transgender people. And it became this thing of like, well, see, it is a choice. So therefore, you know, we're knocking everything out then. It just, it starts feeding to the, the what I called savages, <laughs> you know, of, 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 of people just like, instead of educating, instead of, you know, trying to find, you know, a, a, a common ground mm -hmm. or, or, you know, it, it caused so much conflict and didn't the, 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 the extreme right that is, you know, exactly this is, you know, shouldn't be in this. This is, you know, these are choices. This is a mental illness. Um, you know, it was it was really interesting to and, and infuriating mm -hmm. um, to, to see that just the momentum that this particular group of individuals were gathering and gaining from from that, you know, was well, it's empowering. Like, it's, it's like the bathroom issue, which was totally created. Um, I, I've said it before, but I think we do need a bathroom law. Um, and I think it should be that right-wing religious clergy can't go to the bathroom <laughs> in a public place because they're the ones that are always found with a young boy. Um, it's not transgendered people. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, yes. I mean, that's where they go back to the bathroom issue of, and I, you know, I've been using a men's bathroom for 45, 50 years now. I can't remember one incident of, of walking in and feeling uncomfortable because someone didn't look like me or seeing somebody attacking a child. You know, it's, people usually go into the bathroom and do their business and leave. There's not a lot of conversations that happen. And, you know, it's and especially if you've ever been in a male bathroom, you know, there's not a lot of privacy for stuff. <laughs> and, you know, and, and this is what they fall in on. And that's again, it's it's all all pretty much the same stuff, you know, uh, that they're, they're trying to push their agenda and scare people and take away voice, but censoring. You know, and just little by little. I mean, they're, they're, they know what they're up to. They know what they're doing. And we have to continue to talk about it and get angry and, you know, hopefully be able to, you know, go to the courts. Well, or. especially with the degree of acceptance that I think the LGBTQ community has seen in the last few years, things have been 
uh, there's still problems. Oh, I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong, but things are better than they used to be. And with hate coming down from the top, um, it scares me to death. It really does. Um, and and this is obvious. Um, number one being being Donald Trump, but with the vice president that we know being Hoosiers, you know, where he stands, it's really scary. Yeah, I, think I, it's, I, I think the country doesn't know this. No, they they no. didn't. And this is kind of goes back. I remember when, you know, they legalized gay marriage and, you know, I, we were excited and happy and high-fiving one another. And my aunt said, you know, she said, just understand a lot more badness is about to happen. You know, you know, celebrate, but understand what you're up for. This is not over. You know, this is this fight continues and you're going to have to stay one step aside. And that's where we can go back to, you know, our our forefounders are the ones that were out there that were, you know, screaming and yelling and and, and making changes. And we, we got to keep that momentum. I think, you know, this next generation of GBLTQ folks, you know, have gotten a little kind of complacent to, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, we're now we can have a family. Now we can get married. Things are OK. And it's it's not. And, you know, it's, it's, we, we, it, there's always going to be somebody out there that's going to want to take away something or not allow us to have it. And this is exactly what's, what's up. And we have to make our voices heard. We have to challenge. We have to ask the questions. And we have to get to the bottom of this is why this came up and who said it and where it happened and what little Well, we meeting, know who said it. Right. But wh- where it generated from originally. Who told her to say it. Exactly. And what meeting and, and who's involved in all that. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. and because what they're doing is they're just kind of whitewashers and wh- whitewashing it around and, and, and spinning it. And people are just, you know, willing to go with it. And we, we can't allow that to continue. I think there are so many people. I, I had dinner at my parents last night, both conservative um they didn't know anything about this a lot of people don't it, uh, and and i guess maybe it depends to a degree what your news source is but you know what we shouldn't have one news source that is liberal and one news source that is conservative news is is news and um facts aren't alternative and and all news basically should basically be the same thing this is what happened and let people draw their opinion instead of things being coded and trying to determine what people think about things. Amen. Okay, tonight um, we'll be featuring the music of Cindy Lapner, celebrated singer, songwriter, and LGBTQ plus rights advocate. Lopper is best known for classic 80s pop songs like Time After Time and Girls Just Want to Have Fun. But we'd be remiss to overlook her charity work. Cindy Lopper is co-founder and board member of the True Colors Fund, an LGBT rights charity that... Um, and board continuum of advocacy, training, and education and youth collaboration programs. The True Colors Fund is working to end homelessness among lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered youth by creating systemic change. If you want to learn more, check out truecolors.org for more information. Tonight we will be opening with Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lopper.
This is listener-supported WFHB, Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, and Nashville, community radio for south-central Indiana, and online at wfhb.org. Right now, it's 53 degrees Fahrenheit in Bloomington. Tonight, there's a 50% chance of rain with a low of 48 degrees. Tomorrow on Friday, there's a 50% chance of rain with a high of 54, and Friday night, 80% chance of rain with a low of 37. You're listening to Blooming Out here on WFHB. Coming up is Chosen Family Christmas. The back door will be open Christmas night for service industry members, family, and friends. Doors open at 7 p.m. on Monday the 25th. For more info, check out the calendar section of the Backdoors website at bckdoor.com. Also, the Bloomington Pride Film Festival is coming up. The 2018 Bloomington Pride Film Festival annual fundraiser and silent auction is coming up next year, so be on the lookout for that. Now back to Blooming Out here on WFHB. Back to Blooming Out. Tonight's guest is Bloomington Police Department Sergeant Dana Cole. He, along with Sergeant David Alley, are the current LGBT liaisons for the Bloomington Police Department. Thank you, Dana, for joining us. Um, Before we get into the weeds, let us wish you a happy holiday season from all of us here. Thank you, Rachel. So uh, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself, Dana? Well, uh, I'm currently a detective sergeant at the Bloomington Police Department, so uh, my main job is to supervise the the nine to five uh, detectives. Um, They handle all sorts of cases from your general property crimes all the way up to uh, sexual assaults and homicides. Um, So I've been with the Bloomington PD now 14 years, um, originally from South Bend, Indiana, uh, and uh, I moved here mm-hmm. for the job. Right, um, and uh, part of the reason I moved here is because of the Bloomington community and the LGBT community. Right. So, um, have you seen a lot of things change within the department and the community in the fourteen years that you've been here? Oh, it's it's always changing. Right. Um, you know, now we're getting into um, the hiring of the m- millennial. Um, officers and retentions and all the the issues that come with that so um, but uh, we're always trying to stay up uh, with the needs of the community and create new programs and um, you know try to be the the best partner we can be right so creating new programs would be the liaison um, program that you're uh leading right now so tell us a little bit about that and correct um well it, it started back around 2015 um i'm currently a sergeant i was in an interview for the next step up a lieutenant and um one of the questions they asked was you know what's something that uh, bloomington pd does not offer that you think we should and that was my opportunity uh, to the interview board, which was comprised of lieutenants and captains and deputy chiefs to kind of pitch this idea. And I had been thinking about it um, before this because the uh, human rights um, campaign always does a campus pride index. And I had uh, 
read over that, and one of the categories in that is um, police, security mm-hmm. police. Um, and we didn't get a score in a category of liaison, uh, having an LGBTQ liaison. And so, you know, I started thinking about it, and I'm like, man, you know, I read somewhere that Bloomington had like the fifth per capita uh, same sex, the greatest number of same sex uh, couples um, in the U.S. And so, you know, we have a huge populations. I looked at the department, you know, there was uh, a lot of my coworkers are gay and lesbian. Do you know what the percentage is? Uh, we're roughly around 12% right now, um, which is tremendous for a police department. Um, uh, I would beg to say that's probably double what uh, most Department. average departments mm-hmm. have um, and I think that's a reflection of the community that we're in um, and you know that's where I thought you know we need to have an LGBTQ liaison um, because uh, dealing with the police uh, side of things and um, the administration you know we, we weren't getting a lot of feedback um, about issues in the LGBT community uh, reference police and, you know, I knew that there are issues out there. They're just not being communicated. And so I felt, you know, that there needed to be this position um, for us to go out in the community, work on breaking down the barriers, building trust with the community um, with the hopes of, you know, strengthening that relationship uh, between the police department and the LGBT community. Have you done things to outreach the community? Uh, yep. Uh, Sergeant Alley and myself, we uh, started uh, two years ago. Um, kind of our kickoff event was uh, we, we uh, rented a, a booth at the annual Pride Fest um, Festival downtown. Um, and we, we set up a booth. Uh, Sergeant Alley and Captain Kelms and myself were out there all day. Uh, you know, that's uh, the best part of it was just interacting with everybody walking around um, and uh, we've got a, a lot of positive feedbacks about good things that the police department was doing. Um, you know, we were able to talk. Something that um, I'm big on is recruiting other LGBT uh, individuals to become p- police officers because I know looking back, um, and I won't give my age, but when I was younger, you know, I had a lot of fear entering into this um, profession because. Uh, typically police is this big macho um, profession and you know you didn't hear a lot about gay out gay men in uh, the police profession Um, and you know I was doing ride-alongs up in South Bend and um, I would uh, see some lesbian officers and you know that kind of they were accepted as one of the guys but you know, the few uh, gay males I ran into were closeted, um, and they explained that, you know, it's a different type of environment. So, you know, that's something that really hit me about, can I make it in this profession? And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that brought me to Bloomington, but, you know, definitely knowing people down here that were in the law enforcement profession that were gay, that were out, and just what they would tell me, um, how they were received, was very positive for me. So how about on a personal level, when you um, came out, were you out already as, when you joined the force, or did it kind of slowly uh, no. happen, and uh, you felt more comfortable? And Yeah, uh, when I when I came here in 04, 
um, was not out, uh, didn't know anybody on the Bloomington Police Department, had friends at IU uh, Police Department that kind of helped facilitate uh, me into the community. Um, and, you know, I kind of my MO was coming in, letting people get to know who Dana Cole was and see me work and really get to know me on a personal level um, and, before at- attaching a label to me. Um, and, you know, over the, the course of the years working, um, I developed friendships within the police department and was able to open up and tell um, other officers about uh, my sexuality. Um, and they were all very supportive. Um, and, you know, I haven't had any negative interactions uh, to date. Um, and I think that's a testament to right. the, the police department and yeah. the community that uh, we're in. Being, being in Bloomington probably did help facilitate that but uh, and i think we all appreciate the diversity that bloomington has but i would guess you still have friends in south bend if you were to go to south bend now do you think i mean things have progressed there too correct that the environment maybe they have something similar i'm hoping they've progressed not as fast as Uh i would like or uh you know, comparing it to Bloomington PD, definitely not. I think um, Bloomington PD and Indianapolis are probably the two agencies in the state of Indiana that actually have a liaison. Um, I'm not aware of any other departments that have a recognized LGBT liaison right now. Wow. So, you know, this is something that's kind of big for me because I I, I want it to get out and I want other departments to, to see what we're doing. Um, and contact me and, you know, I'm sure my administration would be willing for me to go wherever to talk to uh, their department about what I've done here and David Alley's done here and, you know, um, maybe move this into forward in other departments. But, yeah, um, you know, I can't say that other departments are probably as far advanced as Bloomington is. So how about when when somebody contacts you from you know the GBLTQ plus community what what things are are they concerned with or what you know how are the conversations going um very positive i mean a, a lot of uh my interactions uh so far have been with um individuals that are actually interested into getting into law enforcement um and you know we were kind of talking before the show that i've been interacting with an individual that's transgender and interested in becoming a police officer and you know we at bloomington pd we do not have any transgender officers yet but you know i definitely see that in the future that we will and um so you know just sharing my experiences with um, this individual um, and kind of mentoring um, them along the way and even um, getting them set up so that they can you know, they're, they're a teenager right now so they're not eligible you have to be 21 to be right. start applying so you know kind of guiding them in the right directions to set them up for success in the future um, and you know uh, I think definitely um, something that we're moving in the right direction here yeah that's awesome have have you reached out at all just a thought there's a there's a group in town called prism it's a wonderful bunch of kids um if you're looking to make an impact on how the police are seen that would be a great place to start is just attend go Mm -hmm. and say hey you know what we're here for you if you have any issues um 
And, and that that is uh, correct. I mean, I've we just met with the local pride group, and we're uh, opening up uh, dialogue with them and trying uh-huh. to get feedback. Uh, you know, um, that's the greatest thing that's going to help me is getting feedback from community members about, um, you know, not only positives, but, uh, you know, I want to hear these negative things that are going in the community. What kind of negative things are you hearing? Well, I, I, I mean, interactions uh, with police. Um, you know, we always hear that there's negative interactions between police and LGBT community. But then when I kind of ask for more details and whatnot, I, you know, I don't always get good information that I can t- turn around and look into. Um, you know, at the Pride Festival, we talked with a lot of in- individuals and there was a lot of uh, horror stories out there, but they were outside of the Bloomington that community. That was going to ask, is you know, a, a Bloomington? They were, they were in Evansville and Indianapolis, Fort Wayne, Chicago. And, you know, they're Unfortunately, I don't have the power to reach outside right, of my jurisdiction. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I listen to what happens in other communities because that's can or is happening in Bloomington. And, you know, I can use that to help. You know, I look at hearing about these negative things and using it, turn it around as a positive in training and things I can take back to my department and train officers so that things like this don't happen in our community. You mentioned earlier, and I think you should say it on air, that the training you have done by the officers has been so well received because as a member of the community that does feel marginalized, it's nice to hear that the police officers were receptive and that maybe it doesn't need to be as fearful. Yeah, I mean, uh, this year uh, we always do training blocks, um, three days. Every officer goes for three solid days um, and gets uh, required training, and then we always add in some uh, supplemental uh, topics in there. And, you know, I met with the training staff this year. Um, I, I converse with my counterpart out at Seattle PD. Uh, he's His position is full-time, so he gets to dedicate 40 hours a week um, to being an LGBT liaison where this is, uh, you know, I, I have my full-time job and I get to do this on the side. So, um, but one of the, the things I talked to him was about um, what kind of training they're doing uh, for their officers in the area of transgender individuals and how to um, address and uh, interact with uh, transgender individuals because that seems to be um, a topic that officers get very nervous um, and um, don't have a lot of experience dealing with. So um, Seattle PD made a video. Um, They actually... uh, starred in the video one of their retired officers who is transgender and that uh, I think it was so valuable that the officers could hear from a transgender individual that was a police officer Um, because I think those type of things hit home when this person actually did the job that they're doing on a daily basis so you know we were able to incorporate that training into um, this year's training block and you know it, it I was there to help facilitate um, a, a conversation after the training, um, and, and it was, like you said, I was very surprised that it was all positive feedback, um, and we had a lot of good discussions on um, how to interact and address and just talk to individuals like uh, anybody else. 
Um, and, you know, it's, again, it's, it's a topic that I think we're going to continue more training on in the future, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. It sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a little curious because you mentioned earlier that uh, the department is now, you know, starting to hire you know, the next generation of officers. Do you think that there's either a noticeable difference in either their training if they've been through the academy or just sort of in their attitudes with uh, how the police interact with the LGBTQ community or, you know, how is there sort of a noticeable difference there with regards to that? I think what we're seeing is this new generation of officers, um, you know, they, they're they grown up um, in schools um, and communities where they know LGBT individuals. Um, you know, it's not when I think back in my days in school and, you know, I'm sure I was in school with uh, gay, lesbian individuals, but they were closeted. And so, you know, we we didn't get to interact. And I think they're now, you know, growing up with individuals that are out there. They learn how to interact and that these individuals are normal. And I think that's uh, spilling over into the police department. That's great. We'll, we will come back uh, to our interview with uh, Detective Cole after a short music break. Coming up is the track Time After Time by Sidney Lapner off their album She's So Unusual. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. Off of their album, She's So Unusual. We're back with our guest, uh, Detective Cole, with Bloomington Police Department, the LGBTQ liaison. And we'll just kind of pick up from where we left off. You you had mentioned something earlier, Dana, that you guys have, some of you, the insignia LGBT flag on the back of your collar. That's correct. Um, you know, we uh, this past year at the Pride Festival, um, we D- David Alley and myself had talked with the, the chief, Chief D- Decoff, um, and he, you know, we were like, we'd like to develop a special shirt because, you know, Bloomington all knows about the downtown resource officers, the white shirt is they're commonly called. And, you know, we, they have a white shirt to, uh, so that they're recognized differently from the officers that wear regular blue Navy blue uniforms. Um, and, you know, we kind of went with that same thought process is, you know, we'd like to develop a, uh, shirt that wasn't a police uniform but still identified us as a police officer so you know we we looked at a uh, pitched about a real nice polo that had you know the badge that was embroidered um, and then we also asked that if we could have uh, the gay pride flag embroidered on the back of the shirt and you know the uh, chief was very uh, open to that and was thought it was an excellent idea um, and you know he even paid for them. <laughs> Um, so uh, that shows you his level of commitment um, to the program. And, you know, that's probably the biggest thing at uh, Pride Fest was uh, how many compliments we had about the shirts and just how unique and um, awesome it was to, to have that pride flag recognized on a police uniform shirt. Absolutely. Uh, per se. So, you know, we're, we're again, we're trying to, to – um, head in the right directions and kind of break down that those barriers between the police and the LGB community um, and, you know, taking baby steps, but I think we're, we're heading there. Do you know, okay, so to your knowledge, only two communities in Indiana have a liaison. Um, state police, do they? I, I, if they do, I have never met one. And, um, you know, a lot of my research, I, I go to the department websites uh-huh. and, you know, track that through their websites um, and see if it's advertised. Um, and, you know, to my knowledge, there is not a uh, full-time liaison or even part-time liaison uh, with state police. So work to be done still, but at least we're starting in the right direction here. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Bloomington PD, we're, we're making uh, strides. Um, one of the most common things that I've been asked is, you know, are we looking at creating other liaison positions for other um, community groups? And, you know, that's something that we are always, you know, I, I look at this, you know, I'm a gay male and this is something that is close and dear to me dear to me and that's why I kind of took the lead with this and you know I'm hoping I can inspire other coworkers to to do the same thing with things that are you know uh, close to their hearts mm-hmm. wonderful so how are what what's your response from other communities other police forces around the state um, do they ask about it, or is it kind of like you know the the crazy liberals down in Bloomington, and <laughs> what are they up to today? I I have, <laughs> you know, I I have never been asked um, by 
another police department um, that I didn't have some kind of personal friends ties with ab- about the program. So, you know, we advertise it on the department website. Um, we, we do community events. Um, and, you know, there's uh, other things that we, we're looking at, um, programs um, that I'm working on now. Um, hopefully, um, I'll kind of throw it out now. Uh, this In 2018, we'd like to start a, a safe place um, which basically we would like go around uh, downtown businesses um, and get their support on um, if an individual comes into their business, um, maybe a, a victim, um, maybe afraid, need police assistance, that this business will take them, harbor them, uh, call the police. You know, we'll do a little training with the employees, and it's nothing hard, um, but. Uh, the business will get a decal to place in their window, um, and it's it's a safe place. Um, decal mm-hmm. has the pride flag on the background, and you know uh, individuals can identify businesses that are very supportive. And uh, if they uh, are in need of assistance, they can go into those businesses, know that they will be helped. I've heard about this before. Was was there an incident in Bloomington or um, recently where? that was that the discussion came up because there was an individual out there or was this something maybe even saw in the national press i um it it's some of the larger uh, of course uh, seattle pd um their uh, lgbt liaison actually he's the creator of this and uh like i said i i talk with him uh periodically and get advice and guidance from him um, and this is something that he started and other communities are starting to pick up on it. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to be a great program for Bloomington and it will fit fit right. right in with our community. So, you know, I'm looking at other um, community things that I can get out and do, um, you know, with the PRISM uh, group. Um, I'd like to get some mentoring going. And both the high schools have and, GBLTQ uh, clubs and they're actually both pretty active where there's like yep. quite a few students you know we've got of. a gold mine here with iu um you know i'd like to start um get with iupd and see if we do can they get, have a liaison they do not right as of yet but that's a goal of mine is to work with them to uh try to get a liaison program started up within their department because we work very well we do right. a lot of training with iupd um you know they're in the city here and we interact quite a bit so i think it's a natural fit um if we can bring iupd on board with us and um you know something i i'm trying to um expand how many liaisons we have at uh, Bloomington PD. You know, right now it's just Sergeant Alley and myself, but, you know. So if somebody was to call at, you know, let's say midnight and they feel that they're having some issue, um, then would you be on call or they take information or is it something that's not, you know, necessarily? Um, You know, if they would like to speak to a lesbian or gay officer, you know, with having 12%, there's probably a good chance that uh, – an officer is working, um, and, and, you know, an individual can request to talk with a, a gay or lesbian officer. You know, if it's a non-emergency issue, um, my phone number is on – an email address is on the website. They can get a hold of me, and um, I will Do you know that email them. off the top of your head? It's uh, Cole, C-O-L-E, and my first initial D, so C-O-L-E-D at Bloomington.in.gov. 
Um, and my desk number is 812-349-3375. Uh, feel free to uh, call. Uh, I, I'm a 9 to 5 uh, Monday through Friday guy right now. Um, but uh, I will get back with you. I check my email all the time. So email is definitely right. the best way. You, so it goes right to my If something phone, happened so. with on the weekend. Or oh, yeah. Um, you know, in, in my position, um, there's a lot of uh, weeks that I'm on call uh, for the detective division. Mm-hmm. So that's always something that, you know, definitely I'm available. Um, but I, 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 my goal is to expand this program and, you know, even reach into IU and IUPD right. and, um, you know. County? We, the, that's, yeah, that's the, the that's sheriff's there. department we got. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I haven't talked with the sheriff yet, but that's definitely something, you know, uh, talking with, uh, we had a great meeting with Pride. And, you know, that's one of the biggest thing is um, the sheriff's department and transgender individuals in the jail. So that's, you know, something on my agenda. Oh, wow. Yeah. Big fear of mine. Yeah. Mm. Hey, it's 630 now, meaning it's time to sign off. I want to take a moment and give you a special thank you so much, Dana, for joining us. Uh, additionally, we'd like to thank all of our listeners and volunteers who make this possible. Bloomington Out is produced by Alex Ashkin. Our executive producer is W. Um, sorry, <laughs> WFHB News Director is Wes Martin. Uh, Jesse Grubb is our engineer for Blooming, Blooming Out and WFHB. I'm Frankie Presslaff. And I'm Alex Ashkin. And I'm Rachel Jones. Tune in next week for a brand new Blooming Out episode every Thursday from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. on WFHB Volunteer-Powered Community Radio. Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus radio program, airs every Thursday evening here on WFHB at 5.30 p.m. You can also stream us 24 hours a day, seven days a week on WFHB.org or BloomingOut.com. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week to Blooming Out.